and growing in relationships. Um, the session of King of Kings welcomes, uh, sends their greeting, and especially Pastor Joshua Harp. Um, they have uh, taken us in, have loved our family, and have been working with me and the Presbytery to uh, get me through licensure, um, which I've been doing for the past three months. And uh, Pastor will understand how hard the work is, but it's brought a lot of joy to our family um, and how we've grown in our understanding of Christ, his work, and his church, and our responsibility to make disciples, especially in a season where the church is constantly getting attacked. Uh, so if you can rise for the reading of God's word, And reading from Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I wanted to unpack this set of famous verses, often called the Great Commission. And throughout my Christian walk, I have learned about evangelism and about proclaiming the gospel and about sharing the hope of Jesus Christ and what he has done. I've taken classes on evangelism. I've sat in on apologetics classes as well and lectures. And as a pastor, I would schedule classes on apologetics and evangelism and then walk the community with the church. Despite this, I gotta confess that for a very long time, I never truly, fully understood what the Great Commission actually meant. And as people, we focus on the wrong aspect of the Great Commission. We get stuck on the idea of go. We love that go. And if you ever had the opportunity to ask someone, especially someone preaching the gospel on the street, why do you share the gospel? Most people refer back to the Great Commission. And what they say is Jesus commanded it. And they're not wrong. But if we start with the go and do not observe and listen closely to what our Lord is saying, we will go with good intentions but a wrong mission. The goal of the Apostle Matthew in his gospel is to show that Jesus is the continuation and the fulfillment of the entire biblical narrative between God and Israel. He does this by looking at Jesus through three offices, the prophet, the priest, and the king, showing that Jesus is the promised Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew presents Jesus as the better, greater prophet, greater than the prophet Moses. He teaches that Jesus is the king from the line of David, the son of Abraham, the, pr 
promised blessing to all the earth. He shows us that Jesus is our true priest who inaugurated the Lord's Supper, the means of grace by which the Holy Spirit enables believers to receive Christ and the benefits of his redemption. And all of this points us to Christ and reminds us that God is with us. Now we arrive at the end of this gospel and at the pinnacle of it, Christ has risen and he meets with his, his disciples and he gives them the great commission. There's three questions I want us to answer to help us understand this command, go and make disciples. The first question is, how does Christ's authority fuel the mission? Second, if what is the complete mission that Christ gives us? And the third, how does Christ's assurance keep us in the mission? The main point of this text is our gospel witness and discipleship, the mission, is fueled by Christ's authority and his assurance. We don't go out on our own free will. We go according to his authority and his assurance. So the first question, in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. In some versions, the word authority is actually uh, written as power. So Christ's power over the church, his authority that he has gained now in this resurrection and conquering of sin, as Christ summons his disciples, he doesn't begin with the command go. He doesn't just send them, but he reminds them of this powerful, profound claim. He tells his disciples that all power has been given to him on heaven and on earth, all authority. The claim that Christ is making is that he has all power, all authority to accomplish his will. And this authority, he's exercising for us. This, these are direct fulfillments of Deuteronomy 18, 15 as Christ as prophet. Genesis 14, 18 as Christ as priest. And Daniel 7, 13 and 14, Christ as king. I'd like to unpack each of these offices because these offices as we look at them individual, reminds us of that authority by which we get to go out, by which we are commanded to go. The first is that we are fueled by Christ the prophet. From the very beginning of the gospel, Matthew is intent to show Christ is the promised prophet from Deuteronomy 18. In verse 15, it says, The Lord thy God, will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee and thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. This is the prophet by which the mission is fueled, by which we go. As a prophet, Moses was unique that he was the one who spoke the words of God and also was the mediator of the old covenant. But Christ, the prophet, the greater prophet, 
does so much more. I was reading a devotional from Ligonier recently, and they put it in such words that I had to quote them. Christ is the mediator of a new and better covenant that actually accomplishes the atonement necessary to secure eternal inheritance of God's people. Christ is sufficient. Christ is sufficient. And this prophet that he holds, the office that he holds as prophet is so much greater than Moses because it actually gets the job done. It actually does what we need because we cannot continue in this system of every year trying to make atonement, right? But Christ does something so powerful that he fulfills it all in himself. And this is part of that authority that fuels our witness and the discipleship. It's that eternal security that we have in him, that inheritance that he gives us. Now we are also fueled by Christ the priest. The message to go and make disciples is that he is the perfect sacrifice for the sins of elect man. When we go and proclaim the good news, you're not sharing some fairy tale. You're not sharing something that hasn't actually happened in our history. Christ actually came as man and God. He actually was present in our history. The priests of the Old Testament, they made atonement for the people yearly at the Day of Atonement. But here's the difference between the priest and our true priest, Christ. Their sacrifice was not sufficient. It had to be done every year. But with Christ, the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he made the sufficient once and for all sacrifice. So the command to go is fueled by a perfect sacrifice that is sufficient for our sins. And so when we bring this message to the people about repent and believe in Christ, it's because the sacrifice is perfect. We're giving them and pointing them towards a perfect sacrifice that will transform their lives and transform their eternity. They will be changed forever. This is the message that you have. This is the message that we carry, the hope that we preach, that Jesus Christ is in, in his life lived perfectly according to the law, something we could not do and cannot do. He died a death he did not deserve, but we truly, truly do. And then conquered it, rising from the grave on the third day. This is the message that we carry. This is the message that is fueled by Christ the priest and Christ the prophet. I love how the author of Hebrews, Hebrews says in chapter 7, verse 25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The priest didn't just come to make atonement, but the priest is now at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. It's a constant empowering. It's a constant authority that we get to walk under. 
and be with and united to Christ with. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And although we do not deserve this sacrifice, he graciously puts it on our account. His authority to send and command, go and make disciples, is fueled by the true priest. And as our priest, as we go, he is making intercession for us. Our mission is fueled by Christ the priest. But it's also fueled by Christ the king. Jesus is our promised king from the line of David, the son of Abraham, bringing all these covenant promises together in him. A God who makes promises with his people and loves his people and calls us to respond to his grace and the offering he gives us in the Son. Daniel chapter 7 and in verse 13 and 14, and I will read this. I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that, shall, that which shall not be destroyed. This is the king, the eternal king that has authority over his church and over all that are in this world. And this is who fuels this mission. Christ is letting his disciples know that everything the Old Testament promised is fulfilled in him and him alone. The authority, the power of Christ is the basis of everything we do. The prophet Daniel spoke of the kingdom that belongs to Christ the King, a kingdom that is eternal, that has dominion over all people, not just the church, but the whole world will bow. Every man shall bow. Philippians 2, 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and in things in earth and the things under the earth. And that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. We're fueled by this mission of prophet, priest, and king. That means that everyone that hears the gospel message will make a decision. They will all make a decision. When Pastor Chris was explaining the psalm, and said, pay special attention to the person for those who deny Christ and the work that he's done. Those are the people that we walk away from proudly because we've done the will of God to proclaim his gospel and to call them to repentance and belief. But those people that deny that, you've done nothing wrong because the authority isn't ours. It belongs to Christ. We actually have the very easy mission we have the easiest of mission he did the real work he's the one that came and died on a cross we'll get made fun of 
Yes? Well, we told that our beliefs are antiquated. Yes? But Christ did the dying. Christ did the dying. And in these three offices that are perfectly held in Christ, the fulfillment of his covenant promises, we have fuel that drives our mission now. When we understand that we hit the streets, and when I say hit the streets, when we share the gospel with people, those around us, and those that need to hear it, we're walking in the authority that Christ gave his disciples, his apostles, and us as well. So what is the complete mission that Christ gives? Verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. The complete mission is to go and make disciples. It is not just to stand on a street corner and yelling at people. But it's to share what Christ has accomplished. And what he has done for us. The mission isn't to join my church. Although church membership is crucial for your growth and mine. The mission is to make disciples of all nations. The command to go is the evangelism aspect. But it doesn't end there. And we've gotten it twisted where we get this idea that the going part is, oh, I fulfill, I fulfill the Great Commission. I'm walking around. I'm telling you right about Jesus. But what do you do with that person that says, give me more? What do you do with that person that has heard the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit receives the gospel? We make disciples of them. And then we baptize them the adults into the covenant family of confessing members and our children into the promises of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Exactly how God has commanded, how Christ has commanded with his authority as prophet, priest, and king. Again, the mission, according to Christ, is go and make disciples is not to stand on that street corner and yelling at people telling them they're going to hell although that's true it's a reality but much simpler we often think of the mission the great commission is being a missionary and going out to the world we love the idea of going to foreign lands I, I will admit that. We do love the idea of going to foreign lands. And I've been there. I've done it as well. I did work in Haiti and in South Africa. I got to go to Guatemala. And then I recognized something about the mission of God. That my neighbors were dying and going to hell. Right in front of my house. I lived in Chicago. And I lived in the inner city of Chicago, a community called Humble Park. 
and the gangs were prevalent in our community. They needed men to go and women to go into the streets and preach the gospel, to walk with them. These young women were just as bad as the young men. We needed missionaries in our blocks and in our cities. Missionaries that weren't afraid to walk up and down this street saying, you need Jesus, repent and believe. This mission is so much simpler than we think. To duplicate yourself wherever you go. At work, across the street from your house, at kids' sporting events, and on this very block. Where hope exists because there's a church that holds to the word of God and his teachings. And understands deeply the authority of Christ. Matthew, throughout this gospel, shows us so much about Christ. But in Matthew 4, Jesus is calling his disciples. And he calls Peter and Andrew. And he says, and he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This was never to be understood as if only Peter and Andrew would become the fishers of men. All who follow Christ are compelled according to his authority to go and make disciples. We are all fishers of men. We are all called to make disciples. And then later on in the Great Commission, we learn that the disciples make disciples. We like cliche terms in our society, right? Disciples that make disciples. That shouldn't even be a thing. To be a disciple, it should naturally mean that you make disciples. It should naturally come out of you and flow that the authority of Christ has led you to a place where you share the gospel freely to all men. That you speak his word with authority. Not yours, but his. And that you rest in that. He is the prophet, the priest, and the king that has all authority and has given us his Holy Spirit and then sends us out to continue the mission which he began and has graciously called us to live. The mission which Christ started before the beginning of time is to save some according to his good will. And that, brothers and sisters, should bring us so much hope that we get to know his good will and to be a part of it. And in this mission, he does a work for us, an amazing work that transforms our life and our eternity. And then he calls us to be a part of his mission by proclaiming the good news, by proclaiming the gospel of what Christ has done to all who will believe. To make disciples is costly. It means that we walk life with people that confess Jesus as Lord, but do not know what being a follower of Christ is. 
It's walking with people that are going to fall. They're going to fall. They're going to sin. And you're going to have to pick them up and wipe them out. You're going to have to clean them and point them back to the sufficiency of Christ and point them back to the fact that Christ did such an incredible once-and-for-all work that their salvation can never be ripped from them. But it's also teaching them to observe all things. We don't just let them get away with it in the sense of, oh, no, it's okay, you sin. No, 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 it's not okay, you sin. It is not right that you sin. Do not take your eyes off the king. Do not take your eyes off his authority. Because when you do, this is what happens. And we remind them and remind them and walk with them. And this is the cost of discipleship that we must understand. A mission that is filled with his authority. A mission that is filled with his power. But it's filled with so much hope. We are teaching these disciples what it means to rest in the authority of Christ. It's letting them know that in Christ their sins are redeemed. And they are separated by God according to his gracious will. But it also means that we live as a living sacrifice. Called to live a surrendered life of worship in the sufficiency of Christ. Our lives are meant to be different as disciples of Christ. We are not of this world, but we must live in this world. Because we are the light and the salt to those who need to hear the gospel. This is the mission to proclaim his majesty and all that he's accomplished. And that by no merit of our own, we get to participate in what he has done because he loved us. The mission is not just go, but also make disciples. To surrender life to the perfect and greater prophet, to the true priest and the king of all kings. And brothers and sisters, our mission, again, it's much easier than Christ's, is that he's the one that justifies. So we get to rest in his authority. But this is not the only good news, because Christ didn't just send us he didn't just say, go make disciples and do it under my authority. He also gives us a promise. So we now look at verse 20, and it says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, unto the end of the world. Amen. I think it's enough for us to see his authority. And then he gives us assurance too? Brothers and sisters, he's filling our, our hearts and our minds with this idea that he is God incarnate and that because he's come already once, he's letting us know he's not leaving you, but that he's always with you. And so when you go out into the mission field, to your neighbors, to your job, your school, wherever God has called you, you walk with authority and a promise that he's right there with you. And that you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this mission. 
Matthew proves to us that Jesus is the Messiah, the expected prophet, priest, and king that died for our sins and set us free. And now in this promise that the Lord gives us, we see this hope. But there was something interesting as I was looking at this. And then I went to the other Gospels, and I looked at Mark and Luke, and I noticed that they don't write anything about the ascension of Christ. So I asked myself this question, I'm like, why doesn't Matthew share this in his Gospel? And I look back at this sentence in verse 20 and begins and end, lo, in other versions, and it says, and behold. It's an emphatic statement. At the end of this, there's an emphatic statement. Matthew is saying, I know you've been listening, but I want you to pay a really, really close attention right now. I need you to hear this. It's an assurance. This emphatic statement is the assurance that keeps us in this mission. It's the promise that should keep you going day in and day out. It's the hope of what Christ has done in you that you want to share with others now. There is no way that you can sit at home or in your chairs or wherever you're at and not see others that are not serving Christ and then not break your heart. Those who are, who are being led astray by false ideas and theologies. Those who are not even believing in the gospel. This nonsense of deconstructing your faith. Matthew's saying, pay attention. Because when you go, Christ is giving you a promise. The mission that the Lord has given us is sandwiched between the two most powerful principles that we need in order to fuel this mission. And the first is his power and authority. And the second is that, that final promise to us. I am with you. I am with you. Always. Even unto the end of the world. Unto the end of his age. And the only proper response to this promise is worship. The only proper response we have is worship. His authority and his assurance. I need you to see this. I pray that this gets etched in your heart. The promise is not some, some weak, I'll be around later statement. It's not this soft idea that, that, that you're alone. And sometimes we get this in our heads that we're alone, even like the prophets of old. And God has to remind us, I've never left you. I'm not going nowhere. If anyone goes anywhere, it's our wandering eyes and our wandering heart. Christ is always there, and he's always present, and he empowers us with his Holy Spirit so that when we go and we do this mission and we live this mission, that we make disciples according to his command and not our own ideas. 
he has accomplished one, if not the most life-changing thing that we could ever experience. It's not that Jesus might save, it's that he already did. The emphasis that Jesus is with us, it's the promise of eternal life. The mission is sandwiched between the resurrected Christ and all his authority and his assurance of eternal life. The hope of tomorrow to be with him in glory. Allow me, allow me to read you a quote from a commentary. The gospel opened with the assurance that Christ is coming, Emmanuel, with us to be with his people. And it closes with the promise that the very presence of Jesus Christ will never be lacking in his faithful followers. He's never leaving us. And this is the mission that we have. And it's fueled by that assurance and that authority. And it's a reminder that as we go out into this community, into our neighbors, into our jobs, and everywhere we go, that we have the assurance of Christ that no matter what happens, we're with him. That's hope. That's hope for us. I had a mentor once in my life that said a wrong definition leads to a wrong understanding. It took me a long time to get what he meant. It really took me a long time because often in our society, we like to speak over each other. And we don't define ideas nor terms anymore. We just keep talking. So I've learned to ask people, what do you mean? What does that actually mean to you? Because I may understand it to be different. And as I wrestled with the statement, I realized that people have a very poor understanding of evangelism. They all often want to separate evangelism from discipleship. And as I combed through the scriptures, I never saw that anywhere. You see Paul preaching, and people want to use that example. Well, Paul went here, and he did this. But keep reading the Bible and look at the context. Paul was setting everything up and began to make disciples. And he began to plant churches. And then in order, he started putting elders in these churches. So everything has a pattern that we see in Scripture. And evangelism's pattern is to make disciples. Because those who hear God's word make a decision. Some, unfortunately, will make a decision against Christ and be held liable for that. But for those who hear and receive the word, we call them into discipleship. We bring them into our churches. We teach them. We baptize them. And we walk with them. And then, one day, they are empowered by the authority of Christ and his assurance to do the same, to go and make disciples. This is the hope that Christ gives us. This is the Great Commission, completely. It isn't just go. It isn't just walk around a neighborhood and pass out a tract. But it's engaging people 
and proclaiming the gospel fully to them. And then letting them know that you will walk with them through the discipleship process, through those hard parts, through those points of doubt, so we can remind them of the assurance of Christ. The Great Commission is more than just marching orders. It's hope. It's life. It's rest. It's beautiful rest on the work of Christ. And his glorious salvation. So can I make it just a little easier for you? Because I know sometimes we have objections that stop us. And when I say objections, not that you doubt, but fears. We come across some fears in our hearts. Proclaiming the gospel, this is not a car salesman job. There's no deal to close. When you proclaim Christ, you're just proclaiming the work he did. And you're pointing right to him. Jesus did it. He saved you. Repent, believe. Your evangelism does not save anyone. Christ is our only Savior. He is our only mediator. So preach Christ crucified for our sins. You can share your story on how he saved you, but your story didn't save that person. It's the gospel. It's his word. It is what they hear through the scriptures that saves them. That's what they respond. If they reject your gospel message, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. And my favorite, I'm not qualified to evangelize. You're in great company then, because neither were the disciples, neither was Paul. But the very message of Christ transformed every one of them. And they went and preached Christ crucified, resurrected and ascended. Not from their own power, but from the very power and authority that now dwells in you. It is by the power of God that we can even say with certainty, Christ has died for your sins. Repent and believe. Brothers and sisters, we are living and longing for the day he returns. And we can scream, come Lord Jesus, come. But as we wait, Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. This is not Pastor Chris's job alone. It is all of ours. Every single one of us, from grade school to, to the day the Lord called you home, you never stop. I, throughout my life, have enjoyed the most when I've met someone who is that last stage of life and that smile from ear to ear of their expectation of going home, their homecoming. But what really got my heart with some of these people that I, I got to sit and talk with was their desire to still make disciples to their very, very last breath. 
There's something about a man in his 80s who knows that tomorrow's not promised, but is willing to sit down and tell you about Jesus and all he's done. There's something about that woman in her 90s who says to you, daughter, you have no idea how good God is. Rest in him. And yet they're still making disciples to that very, very last breath. I had a friend whose father-in-law was passing. And they were at the hospital. Everyone knew what was coming. It was secured. The doctors had no hope left. He was old. He was genuinely old. Kindest gentleman you ever, ever met. And as he began to feel that moment coming, he worshipped. He didn't run into this like, oh, I'm afraid. No, no, no. He raised his hands and began to worship. My friend took a video of this on his phone. He's like, and he was shocked because at that last second, as his last breaths were coming in and out, all he can think about, I'm going to be with Jesus. His testimony to that family, to those children that were unbelievers, was that even at this moment of his life, he was still proclaiming Christ as king, Christ as savior. And he passed into glory. And in that moment, there were people there that my friend shared with me. He says, brother, I didn't know what to do, but they just wanted Jesus. They wanted Christ. My only, my only response was, well, make disciples, brother. And I was immature in my faith. I didn't understand what I was truly, truly saying. But I see his word, and that's exactly what he's called us to do, to make disciples for his glory. For his glory. And that's what Christ has given us in this mission. It is a mission to go and make disciples. Not to sit and wait, but go and make disciples. Let's bow our heads. Holy God, as we go through your word, we first thank you for how your word transforms our life. And how Christ has done a work for us. Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth, that it's etched in the heart of your people. That they hear, receive, and live it for your glory. And church, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And remember the words of Apostle Paul in Romans. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and to the preaching of Jesus Christ and according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen.